You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin our proceedings here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine. I call out to those people who lived well and died well, who met the challenges of their time in a way that brought forward all these rich things that are good and true and beautiful in our own ancestral lines. This legacy that they carry, I ask them to carry it to us, to connect it to us, that we might draw on it. I ask them to remember so that we can learn from those who have gone before us, so that we are freed to learn from the past, to innovate, to change, to do things differently where that is required by the the living reality of our time. And to hold true to things that have shown their deep, deep purpose and meaning over time. And I ask the ancestors to help us to find the wisdom to know the difference and to step in to both. And may we all do this in a way that is good for those who are coming. And I ask the non-human ancestors, those who have been here longer than there were ever people, all the rest of life here on earth, I ask those ancestors to be with us here today as well, to help us to remember some larger than our small personal selves, to be able to begin to know in each day, to have a resonance and a feeling for a self that is larger than just who we are and our personal concerns and where we're going to get our coffee. But that we actually think in each day how we are part of something larger, something bigger, and something that is wanting to happen. And I ask these ancestors to join us as well, to help us to make that thing that wants to happen, happen in a way that is good for all living things. So with all these ancestors and their many forms gathering around us here, let us reach out and gather ourselves from wherever it is that we might be scattered about, multitasking as we do these days. Let us call ourselves in and focus in our mind, in the clarity of our mind. Take a nice deep breath and draw it down to our hearts. And a nice breath and draw our awareness down from our heart to our belly. And from our belly, let us take a moment and stop. Stop all the many things that we are doing and touch the earth. And give thanks to the earth. Give thanks to earth for this day. Thanks to the earth for life. And let us take a moment and just feel the awe and the wonder for life itself. We don't understand it. We somehow just keep doing it. And I ask the energy of the earth with all of her wisdom of manifestation to help us to do it better. And as we connect to the earth with gratitude for this day, for beauty, for diversity, for wonder, for breath, let's begin to move our energy down through all the layers of the earth, allowing our gratitude to pour out as we go. And as we move our energy down and down and down into the center, 
into that place of darkness and stillness, that essence energy of the earth. Not the literal fiery core of the earth, but the essence energy of the earth. That energy that is about stillness, darkness, silence, those energies that renew and restore and rejuvenate only in those conditions, much like sleep, that energy that rises up and allows things to begin again, that allows the plants to grow, the sun to rise, and for us to greet the new day with possibility and hope. We touch into that energy in the earth, that energy that is before all these things that renews and restores and nourishes. And we draw this energy up, drawing it up through all the layers of the earth into our body, into our bellies, our hearts, and our minds. And we allow this energy to resonate. We feel ourself in our body and our body on this earth. And we ground deeply into the earth and allow ourselves in this way to understand who we are and where we stand and what we truly stand for. And may we build our sense of connection from this, this which has heart and meaning for each of us. We build our sense of home in this way, our sense of belonging, our sense of connection to those who have been before us and to those who are coming. And in particular, we open our arms, our heart, our home, and our table to those who are here with us, those who are different from us, those who would challenge us and provoke us to see things differently, to understand in new ways. May we learn the blessings and the prayers of other people who speak in other languages. And in this way, may we all come to understand that we all ask for blessing. We all ask for protection. And we all share this very tiny planet and a desire for a good life here. And let us understand how to be here in a good way with this earth, with our neighbors, with our environment, and with the invisible world. Let us understand that we need to do this in a way that is skillful, in a way that connects our heart, in a way that we are connected to all the different parts of ourselves. All of these things come from the energy of the earth and its understanding about connection and interrelationships, interdependencies. And may we reach deeply into the earth and hopefully be blessed in each day by at least a moment, even if it's just a single moment, but a moment nonetheless of feeling our connection, our place in the great oneness of all things. May we take our sense of right relationship from that. And let us continue now to rise up with the energy of the earth rising up into the sky and whatever weather it holds for you today, out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos, all the way up to the highest power of the universe and by whatever name you call that energy, name it. Connect with it by whatever way you conceive of it. Connect to these radiant energies from above. See yourself in them. See them in you. And draw this energy down. Draw it down into yourself, into your day, into these proceedings. Draw these energies down. And in this way, we call down blessing upon us and upon each other. We call down the energy of protection and commitment and devotion. We draw these energies in and open to the benevolence of this universe. We call in all the wisdom of the cosmos, all the way to the stars from whence we came. We call this energy in, asking for inspiration and illumination and connecting to the beneficence of this existence. We call this in. 
allow it to move into our mind and our heart and our body and down through us to the very center of the earth. And in this way, we open up the center channel. This connection between heaven and earth, yin and yang, these two great legendary lovers whose big love gave birth to this experience of form we are all sharing. And for that wonder and that magic and that deep love, may it inspire our own hearts to awaken ever more deeply. And in that awakening, may the crucible of transformation that exists within each of our hearts wake up. May it come online and begin to raise its heat and fire and draw up the fiery passions of the belly. Put them in the heart to be cooked and draw down the crystal clarity of the mind and put that in the heart to be cooked. And let those energies dance, a wild and fiery and passionate dance deep down there in the heart. And in that dance, may we find through that dynamic tension of these very different energies, may we find some memory, some awakening of some understanding, some sense, some feeling of why we are here. May we find courage in that very same heart to do something in this day, large or small, to bring those gifts into manifestation in the world. And for all the help that we have to do that, I am deeply grateful all the help in the invisible world. Not one of us is alone, no matter how uh, passionately we tell the story to ourselves that we are. We cannot be alone with all of this help. And I am deeply grateful for the help the invisible world offers and that all we need to do is to ask for it and open to receive. I'd also like to give thanks to some other very special spirits. I'd like to give thanks to Elizabeth and Deborah and Darcy, Maria, and Deb, and all the listeners who have donated to the show financially. If this show is meaningful to you in any way, if it moves you in the heart, even if it moves you to frustration and distraction, if it moves you in any way, I ask you to do something, large or small, to help the show to grow. I ask you to do that fundamental act of shamanism, which is to allow what moves your heart, to motivate your actions in the world, and to begin to understand the true meaning of power. That true power is mediated in the heart. And it has strong force in the world when we choose to move it. And I give gratitude to all of you that are helping me to spread that message through Why Shamanism Now. The archives are on iTunes, on whyshamanismnow.com, and at the co-creatornetwork.com site. And they're free and available to anyone in the world who can get on the internet. And so I give thanks to all of you that helped me make that resource possible. If you'd like to donate to the show, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com and scroll down, click on the support button. You can donate any amount, large or small. It all goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And I want to give gratitude to all of the many things people do other than offering money that help the show to grow by sharing, by commenting about the shows, by talking about the shows with others. Um, By bringing these ideas into their own lives, um, journeying about them, bringing them into their journey circles, creating journey circles, gathering others to your ritual work, whatever it is that you do, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the sharing, for the questions that come out of it, and the ideas for new shows. So I thank everyone for all that you are doing, all that we are doing collectively to make this resource available to people in the world so that we can all become part of becoming the new people to write the new story for a truly new world. So our 
our topic today is wearing masks, so the last mask that we wear. And we are not live today. However, if you have questions about today's topic, please feel free to email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. So the last mask that we wear is the simple, basic fact of being human. We are spirit incarnate. The first decision that we make in life when we're very smart and still part of the oneness of everything is to take a body. And it's not just any old body. It's the particular body that you're in at this moment listening. This body exists in an illusion of space and time, but it's a convincing illusion. It's an illusion so convincing that we simply call it life. We experience, in this experience of life, we experience space, we experience time, we experience fear and love, and we make up stories. And some of these stories become masks that we wear. There's the good mother mask, for example, the good father. There's the best husband or the magnificent wife. There's the startup bazillionaire mask. And there's the disinterested in your world because I already know everything ayahuasca raver mask. There are many masks. The person you believe you should be, the person you're afraid that you are, all of them, all masks. And when we shed all of these masks and surrender to who we truly are, then we will wear our one single last mask, which is our own face. And that face carries the fact of our humanity gently embracing the force of our spirit. Our soul at that time, when we wear our last mask, our soul will radiate out through that human face. And there we are, a bright spirit wrapped in humanity so that we can do what we've actually come here to do. There's confusion about what we are. We seem to forget we're a human trying to live a spiritual life, but of course we're a spirit living a human life. And that's been said and oversaid. But along with that uh, truth that is becoming a platitude is the idea that we are human beings, not human doings. And I understand the medicine that that is trying to be for a time of excess and false yang, overactivity and lack of self-care and self-love. But the point that I am trying to make here today is that we are a bright spirit wrapped in humanity for a reason. We did come here to do something. Something essential, something unique, something that only we can do. That we are here to do that thing and in that, we are a maker. So I wanted to step out of the argument of whether we're beings or doings. We're makers. We are here to make spirit manifest. That is the purpose of each of our lives in its most general sense. The question that we each are here to ask ourselves and to live the answer, to discover the answer through the living, is why am I here? 
Why are you here? What is your soul's purpose in taking this body at this time on this planet? What were you thinking? And thank you for being here now at this time, so pregnant with possibility, so painful in its illusions and fears and hatreds, cruelty and mean-spiritedness, and yet so magnificent in the power and the potential and the possibility of what is here, of all of these human hearts dreaming, dreaming of what they know is possible. So in the beginning, years ago, decades ago actually, in my 20s, late 20s, in the beginning of what is now Last Mask Center. In the beginning, this whole thing about humanity being the last mask that they wear was the best spirit would do to explain to me why they were pushing me to do things I didn't want to do and that I was uncomfortable doing and that I honestly didn't believe I had a right to do. And that ultimately those things together all amounted to massive illusion on the authentic self, which is now a week-long retreat that is the beginning of what we're now calling the cycle teachings or the cycle of transformation, which is a four-year commitment uh, to learning a cosmology, skills, being in transformation, and growing up, basically. So in the beginning... That was the best spirit would do to explain. Teaching people to take off their masks. Teaching them how to take off their masks. Teaching them to find the masks in the first place. How to take them off. And how to be the person who was maskless. Except for that last mask. And in the beginning I was naive enough to think that was a good and complete answer. And I went ahead and did it. And it was terrifying. I did it anyway. Because honestly, I didn't really know what else to do. And I was at a time in my life when I was testing a hypothesis. I've been taught by a wise woman, compassionate and very, very powerful woman. Woman of great gift and enormous integrity. I was taught by by her that we were here for the education and experience of our soul. And being a scientist at that time, I thought that was um, probably wrong. But my experience learning from her affected me profoundly in that it allowed me to heal, to be honest, in a word. It allowed me to address suffering in myself. And I noticed in addressing that suffering in myself, others around me suffered less. And I was young and still in a fairly selfish phase, as the young are by nature. And I don't mean that in a negative sense. It's just a self-focused time because we're still trying to understand who we are and why we're here. We're learning. It's supposed to be self-focused. And so at that time in my life, I, was, I, was, I had given a, a year. I figured, what's a year in a whole life? i got a whole lifetime here. Let me spend a year with this hypothesis of whether or not my life, the purpose, 
is this expression, this education, this experience of my soul. And so I committed to living as if that was true to the best of my ability for a year. And in that year, everything changed. And there's been no looking back since then. So it was in that year that this whole pushiness of spirit came up. Massive illusion came out of that. And they told me why I should do that because of this whole last mask idea. Didn't feel that I had any right to do it or I even knew what I was doing. But as long as I asked spirit what to do, I had something to teach and I taught it. And this is why I call my center last mask center. There's no center. There's never been a place. I mean, I'm actually building a place now, you know, three decades in. But in the beginning, there was no center. There was no retreat center. There was no school. There was no place for you to come and live and work and learn. There was only the heart center of that work. And that is what the name actually means. It's actually last mask. And center. So it's last mask for the reasons already explained is that it's about learning to take off all the masks that we wear, which I learned later should, of course, occur in initiation from childhood to adulthood. I didn't understand that in the beginning, but I understand that uh, clearly now that that is the function of initiation. That we take off all the false masks we've learned to wear and that we disengage from our, our personal selfish, again, relationship with our mother and father, whoever functioned in those roles, and that we let them go. We let them off the hook and we step into our authenticity, the earth as the mother, the sky as the father. We step into a to taking responsibility for a mature spiritual life, that I am a spirit who is connected to these larger spirit energies, invisible energies, and I am embodied. And so that spirit is here for a purpose and it is my responsibility as an adult to do that thing, whatever that thing is. Right? That's the last mask part, to take off all those masks, and to just be the authentic person you have come here to be. Massive illusion and the authentic self. But the other part of the name is center. Because at the root or the center or the heart of all of these skills, and frankly, anybody else's skills that are any good, all the skills humans learn that work at the center of that is your own sovereignty that connects you to your own center line of truth and your ability to discern choice by choice day by day the authentic decision for you that you lead yourself on that journey that only you can determine what the message in that altered state means that only you in the center of your truth can discern the distinction between truth and fiction lies and illusions or authenticity that only you can discern the distinction between this experience that we call life and this beautiful one and the real energies below 
that underlie all of it, the greater structure that holds it all. That is what the center is about. For without your own strong sense of center, your own center, literally, in your body and your connection to that energetically, physically and energetically, you are hard-pressed to find out what you are doing here. And you will keep going from thing to thing to thing, teacher to teacher to teacher, practice to practice to practice, collecting more and more masks, looking for someone to give you the mask of your authentic self. It has never worked that way. I don't believe it ever will, but I'm only going to be here for a life, so what do I know? But in this life, at this time now, I believe this is how it works. That we need to want to live in a way so that we wear only that last mask and that we understand that at the root of doing that is the cultivation of our own center and that these two things work together synergistically to make the reason that we've chosen to be here happen. So, last mask center. In terms of taking off the last, all the masks, because we're not initiated people. We actually wander about lost in adulthood, dragging around a childhood psychology, a childhood heart, a childhood place, perspective on the world. And so this whole last mask and center, one of the first things that needs to happen is we need to understand the soul loss that occurs in our contemporary world. And in the Western world, and I'm going to speak for the whole Western world, not just America. Western thinking leads to soul loss, period. Some countries less than others, some cultures less than others. But we need to understand that. There are very few people on this planet walking around without soul loss. And as someone who has the ability to get yourself to listen to this podcast... You need to get yourself to a shaman. Get your soul parts back so that you can become whole and begin to do what you have come here to do. There is actually no point in waiting, no point in wondering, no point in being afraid, and no point in arguing about it. Soul loss is real, it's prevalent, and it is at the root of most of the things you will spend time, energy, and money struggling to fix in your life. So for my money, getting soul retrieval work is in the just shut up and do it category. Find a good practitioner, get the work done. I certainly can't do everybody's soul retrievals, but it is a piece of shamanic healing that I offer at a distance if you choose to. So shamanic healing involves bringing energies back like soul parts, energy that is that is of your own energy body but not actually soul force energy and power retrievals which is reconnecting you with your own spirit help and information, divinations. 
shamanic healing is also about removing energy everything from cleansings all the way through extractions and even depossessions so that's essentially shamanic healing but within that what i came to understand as i helped people with shamanic healing is that as contemporary people while they could integrate that experience at the best that they didn't have the skills to live differently in their life and so out of that comes the next piece of what is part of being a person who is committed to wearing that last mask, you know, shedding it all to get to that last mask and cultivating your own sense of center is what I am now beginning to call energy hygiene. I'm just recognizing their basic things you need to do energetically every day in the contemporary world that is just like basic hygiene but for your energy body and this and other life skills from the most basic up through shamanic skills into journeying so that you can connect with your own helping spirits and many people stop there because that's all they need is a connection with their helping spirits that beyond that their life isn't more shamanic than that basically I would say anybody has helping spirits and they can help anybody in any life that they've chosen and then some people continue beyond that because there there are aspects of a shamanic belief system a way of approaching the world in a shamanic cosmology that helps them be that kind of person who is shedding the false lives the stories and the lies we tell ourselves and focusing on cultivating a center living authentically and doing a life that has meaning and purpose not only to ourselves but to others to the community and so out of that then emerges the rest of the cycle teachings and this is for people that seriously want to get to the last mask and cultivate a strong sense of center they want to do that to the best of their ability in four years and be the kind of people that inspire that in others and that is what the four-year teaching is about but with that said over the years with that simple innocent explanation from spirit now there's an encyclopedia of shamanism there's the why shamanism now archives and many resources out there in the information world in the media world for people to connect in and begin to draw this wisdom of humanity I mean shamanism collectively is really the wisdom of humanity it's shared by all the ancestral people all around the world I don't mean that simplistically I mean that factually it is our shared legacy and it is the thing I believe is the missing link that will save us in this time and finally, Last Mass Center is evolving into actually being a center, a physical center, after these many years. As I am aging, I can't run all over the place, and as I have been, and so we are starting to create a place. But prior to that, what is more interesting to me than a physical center is the truth that the physical center means nothing if everybody comes there to draw center from it. That a center is vital as a place, a physical center is vital as a place if people bring their center to it 
and celebrate what people can do together that they are unable to do themselves in that place. And this is the only reason people will be invited there, as far as I'm concerned. And so prior to the actual physical building of the center is the building of community and the ability of a shamanic community to, to share a center in non-ordinary reality, to connect to it, to cultivate it, to draw from it, and to develop a relationship of reciprocity and gratitude with it. That there is a community and a center in the community even before the physical place. And I believe that all of these things, the healing, the new life skills, the larger transformative process, the resources for people in all places in life, and the creation of community around certain principles and with certain standards and commitments, that all of these things are necessary if we are to be shamanic people living in our contemporary time. And I believe that that is the most direct path for us to shed our masks, to embody our spirit with a strong sense of center and do what we have come here to do. And these things, the show, why shamanism now has addressed again and again from different people's perspectives at different times in the evolution of the show, but it's because I believe these things are critical for us if we are to be the new people, to write a new story for the new world, that this is necessary if we are to do what we are challenged by our time to do. Our time has its own unique illness, its own unique need for healing, and we have to make the medicine because the medicine doesn't actually exist right now. And to do this, I believe we need to change our understanding of evil, of all the things I think I've talked about on the show. This is the thing that irritates, provokes, and confuses people the most. So I don't believe in our religious definition of evil. I don't care that it's written about in all the sacred texts, because frankly, the sacred texts aren't that old. But there were people understanding how to be better humans long before anybody wrote any of the sacred texts. And those people understood evil in a different way. And they lived sustainably in their environment. And thus I feel we need to do the same. And we need to follow the example of the first peoples and give up our notion of evil as this thing outside of ourselves and understand it as an, a virus that can infect us all. That is a bad idea that needs a host and it is the job of each one of us to refuse to be seducible by this energy. And I believe if we're going to do this, really do this, that we must end the lie of separation largely spread through these same world religions and I'm talking about all of them equally I'm tired of the fighting I'm tired of it my country has been at war my entire life and long before that I'm tired that our world the place we chose a body to incarnate in moves through complementary dualism the Tao and this is at the heart of shamanic teachings all over the world and we need to understand we can't just import shamanic ideas 
into a world shaped by the lie of separation. We are not separate from God or anything else. We are one with all things. And we need to delete within ourselves all the beliefs that are connected to that lie of separation and begin to live in a way that we understand the complementary dualistic nature of our world. There is no antagonistic dualism. It is all complementary. And we need to begin to flow within it again. I believe the third thing we need to do is grow up our understanding of love, that we are stuck largely because of our lack of initiation in the very young idea of love. And at the time we are actually that age, it's entirely appropriate to be that selfish. But we need to grow up and understand love beyond our romantic, very personal, family-oriented, nation-oriented ideas of love, that our people literally are not the only people in the world we can trust that a mature spiritual person opens their heart to life all of it and it's a painful thing to do right now because there's some pretty shitty horrible things going on right now but it's also part of life and we have to open our hearts and grow up and be big big loving people for all that is going on right now because the only way to transform shadow is to embrace it and love it and sit with that transformation from enemy to ally and know that it will change us just as we can the force of the power of mature love true love change these shadowy things And I believe the fourth thing we must do, and this is why I invited Steve to come and do the show about his new book, A Talking Stick. So we must learn to make peace. We must stop fighting for it. We need to stop with the whole war thing. Can we please move on? Learn from the mistakes of our ancestors. This is the same war. It's always been the same war. And war doesn't bring us peace. We have to learn to be peacemakers again. And we have to make it. We have to carry that invisible talking stick in our heart. Our big heart. Our heart that's big enough to understand. And sit in the complementary dualism of every situation. And listen deeply. And allow that which is wanting to happen to happen. And we can't do that if we keep filling the space with what we've already done and who we've already been. We have to learn to hold space and do what is necessary to make peace. And the other thing I believe we need to understand which runs entirely contrary to the current at this time. And I understand that. It's really not hip. It's not fashionable. But we have to understand we actually need to be skilled people. We really can't all just do whatever we want to, whatever way we want to, anytime we want to. There is not enough resources in the world for that. And it is juvenile and selfish and immature. And so the purpose of Last Mass Center is to give us a way. And there are other ways. But pick one and do it. Pick a way to become a skilled person 
in the world. So that your emotions are not in denial or in indulgence, but you have a rich and full and mature emotional life. And that your mind is not out of control, needing pharmaceuticals to tie it down. But your mind is able to focus when it is needed and run wild in its imagination when that is needed. And that you can do both. And that you can do so at the loving inspiration and motivation of your heart. And that you can see clearly the world around you honestly without having to make up lies and tell yourself stories. And you can see into the hearts of people that are different than you and recognize it's the same fucking heart. We're humans. We've got to get that. It's the same big, beautiful, magnificent, beating heart in every chest. It's time to be skilled enough people to live in our real reality and stop wasting time with people that can't or won't go there. Follow your bliss. Find your passion. Live your soul's purpose. These have become t-shirts, unfortunately. Of course, of course, Joseph Campbell's full message was, follow your bliss. If you do follow your bliss, you put yourself in a kind of track that has been there all the while waiting for you. And the life you ought to be living is the one you are living. And when you see that, you begin to meet people who are in the field of your bliss. And they open doors to you. I say follow your bliss and don't be afraid. The doors will open where you didn't know they were going to be. If you follow your bliss, doors will open for you that wouldn't have opened for anyone else. Joseph Campbell. It's not that you should or shouldn't follow your bliss or live your passion. It's that you need to interpret that message as an adult not a child. The message isn't really about just being happy because happiness is just about getting what you want when you want it. It's not a bad thing to choose and it's important to choose to be happy. But happiness is pretty transitory and in a sense um, surface. That joy is actually about being accountable to your deeper self, to your soul, and why it's here, to the really crappy decisions you made all along the way because you were learning, you were growing up, you were a kid, you made mistakes, and the, and the ability, to the skills to go back and become accountable for those places where you really weren't able to show up as your own integrity wishes you had been able to. And to begin to become accountable to those aspects of yourself and bring them back into present time. This is where joy comes from. Learning to live in a way that we can be accountable to ourselves, Be dependable and to be trustworthy. So that our heart trusts us. That is where joy comes from. And bliss. I believe bliss actually comes from being accountable and joyful and happy in the reason that you're here 
not just personally, not just me living my soul's purpose, but me living my soul's purpose in a way that is valuable for all living things. This, I believe, is where the bliss comes from. And lately, you know, Last Mass Center and the teachings and all my shamanic work has always been centered around the fact that you have a soul's purpose, that you have a unique genius to bring into the world, and everything centers around that, your health and well-being. There's even a radio show. The cornerstone of your well-being is your soul's purpose. And yet at this time, I have to agree with these people that are saying, don't follow your bliss. And it's not because Joseph Campbell wasn't absolutely accurate, but it's because we've interpreted these ideas as children. So Mike Rowe, who used to be the dirty jobs guy, has a TED talk that's called Don't Follow Your Passion, Live It. And he talks about how success in business is not really coming out of following your passion, but it, but it really depends on opportunity. And what Rowe means is that when you put your passion first exclusively ahead of opportunity, then you oftentimes create obstacles to achieving real success. He says... When you follow your passion, when you follow your dream, when you grow up being told that you're a precious little snowflake and all you have to do is to look inward and identify that thing in you that you want more than anything else, that's a trap. And I agree because he's really talking at that point, the precious little snowflake, looking inward and identifying what you want more than anything else, that's happiness. That's childish, that what we're asking for, what I'm asking you to look at is what are you willing to die for? Not being a precious little snowflake, but just one other human being here on the planet. What are you willing to die for? What gives your life meaning and purpose? There's another wonderful article out there by Mark Manson, and I didn't know about him as a, as a writer, um, but of course this topic flying across my world, my media world, grabbed my attention, screw finding your passion, <laughs> in which Mark says things very similar to what Mike Rowe says, um, but he cusses a whole lot more. It's wonderful, and it starts, remember when you were a kid, nobody told you to do it, you just did it. You were led merely by your curiosity and excitement. And the beautiful thing was, if you hated baseball, you just stopped playing it. There was no guilt involved. There was no arguing or debate. You either liked it or you didn't. And if you loved looking for bugs, you just did it. There was no second level analysis of, well, is looking for bugs really what I should be doing with my time as a child? Nobody else wants to look for bugs. Does that mean there's something wrong with me? How will looking for bugs affect my future prospects? There was no bullshit. You liked something, you just did it. And he goes on. You should really just read the whole thing. Anyway, but he goes on to write that people email him all the time saying they don't know what to do with their lives. They don't know how to find their passion. And then there's a whole bunch more cussing. And he says, but more importantly... What I want to say to these people is this, that's the whole point. Not knowing is the whole fucking point. 
Life is all about not knowing and then doing something anyway. All of life is like this. All of it, he says. And it's not going to get any easier just because you found out you love your job cleaning septic tanks or you scored a great gig writing indie movies. And he goes on. And it's, it's well written. And I think it's really accurate for this time, particularly for the generations, 20s, 30s, and 40s at this time. Particularly for the children raised by the baby boomers. Read it. Screw Finding Your Passion by Mark Manson. The point is that you already know your passion. You already know what it is. You always have. I always knew, but I ignored it because I put on masks. I wanted to be the good daughter. I wanted to be loved by my parents. I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to fit in. All those things we all want. And it's entirely natural to want those things. And then I should have been initiated into adulthood, but I wasn't. So I kept wanting those things and that's how we continue to choose to ignore what we have passion for we already know you already know you're just doing a whole bunch of other things to ignore what you know and it's possible you don't like your answer and that's the problem with truth we don't always like the source we don't always like the truth itself frankly and we almost never like the ramifications of the truth on our life deal with it That is the nature of truth. It cuts through the bullshit. It cuts through the old growth. It cuts through all that stuff you just simply don't need to be doing anymore because you've done it. It's time to do what you really came here to do. So the purpose of Last Mass Center is to give you the skills to call bullshit on those reasons you're choosing to ignore your passion. See, because that's the other thing. Without initiation into adulthood, the pain of what people experience can run really deep and it can rob you of your entire creative adult life. And so it's fine to tell people to, to, that it's bullshit and they're just ignoring their passion and to get on with it. Absolutely. I totally agree with the whole article. And the question is how? And this is the purpose of last mask center last mask and center to gain the skills to call bullshit on yourself and also to have the discernment to know when you need to celebrate your warriorship your mastery your success the fact that you finally did that thing you've been trying so hard for so many years to do so the thing the big thing, the thing we don't get because we're still addicted to all of the ways we get to distract ourselves by believing in the lie of separation, all the illness we get to be in, all the many ways we are disconnected from each other. We get to indulge in all of that because there's this one thing none of the world religions tell us anymore, sadly. And that is that we owe to a cosmic order. This isn't about morality. This isn't about good and bad. This isn't about whether you're judged or not by your God. And this isn't about whether, certainly isn't about whether or not your God gives you the right to judge other people. It's all crap. I don't believe in any of it. Why? Because it doesn't make us better people. 
And we're profoundly powerful here on the planet. We are manifestation machines and we are manifesting unsustainable death. Not the death that brings new life, but the end. Because we can't get with the program that we owe to the cosmic order from the moment that we are born, we begin taking. From a living organism, a great big living organism called this planet, we breathe air, we drink water. I mean, in the beginning, we drink milk, but ultimately, she's drinking water. We need clean air. We need clean water. We need the food. We need food that our bodies know how to process and integrate as nutrition. That it takes an enormous amount of food and water and air and sunshine and all of these resources here on this planet to keep a human being alive. It takes even more to keep them healthy. From the moment you were born, you began taking. And you owe back to the cosmic order that set this whole thing in motion. Your body, the one your soul chose to bring your soul's purpose into the world, which the world needs desperately. It needs the medicine of who you are and what you're here to bring to the world. But you owe that. That is what you owe back to the cosmic order to pay for the body and all the resources that it takes to keep it alive. And why? Why did you make that deal? It's a crazy deal. You made a crazy-ass deal with the cosmic forces to take a body and come here on Earth. Why? Because of the deep, true expression that is unique to you, your own unique genius in your soul that needs to be made manifest here on Earth at this time for life, for people, for you. Deep, heart-beating, bleeding, reason for living, need to express that purpose. You don't really have anything else to do here. But that's what you owe to the cosmic order. You want to know the biggest thing, the biggest thing I find with dead people. Beautiful people, like you, like me, beautiful people, lived good lives, did good things. These are not the bad guys. These are good guys. The thing that sticks them here so they can't leave when they die and go where the dead belong is remorse. Remorse for not having paid to the cosmic order. Now, they don't say it that way because if they'd understood that, they would have done it. They're confused and they're lost and they're sad because their soul is sad because it came here to do this thing, this unique genius thing that needed to happen in this time that was medicine for the people, that was a blessing for those who are coming, that was what was needed in this time. And they got lost. They got distracted. They thought it mattered to wear the other masks. And they are in remorse and sadness. 
for not having known about the cosmic order. And so the important thing to understand is that those, you know, those good people tried to find the mask to wear, the right mask to wear. And what we need to be doing is shedding the masks and allowing our own soul's energy to radiate out through our humanity and to allow that radiance to come out from within so that our simple fact of our humanity is that last mask and that there are too many people searching outside of themselves and trying to draw that energy in but it really is inside of you, not just the special snowflake inside of you, but honestly, gut-wrenchingly inside of you. That energy inside of you that throws you at an opportunity that is terrifying and makes no sense. I'm far enough away now in years from the beginning things that I did that I can laugh it took years though because it was terrifying and it was painful and I cried a lot and it took me a long time to see how all of that was needed all of that terror was needed at that time because those actions had to be taken when they were taken those teachings had to be had to come through when they came through to be at this place now to look back and think wow Had I any idea the bigger picture, there's no way in hell I would have done it. Absolutely no way. Too terrifying. I had to be kept in the dark. And that's another thing that's important to remember about living your real life. To be honest, most of us have to be kept, for the most part, in the dark. We would be too terrified of our own magnificence to take the next step and do it. So take the next step. Whatever that next step is, take it. So sometimes I ask myself, is this really shamanism? This thing that I'm doing? I don't know. I don't really care, honestly. It wouldn't change anything I'm doing if somebody came and officially said, this actually isn't shamanism, so yeah, I have to call it something else. Fine. I would still be doing whatever this is. But more importantly, I actually believe it is the shamanism of this time, of our time. I don't, not that I'm the only one doing it. That's not my point. But my point is, this is what it looks like when we work with spirit and we ask for the answers to the problems of our time. We have our own illnesses at this time. We need to become the people who have the skills to address these promises, or these problems. And at the same time, we need to become these people that know how to celebrate love and life and the small victories and the humanity, the authenticity and genius when it emerges, the blessing of spirit, and the fact that none of us are in this alone. So as I said earlier, the bottom line for me is that we're makers. We're both human beings and we're supposed to do things here. The soul needs to do what it came here to do. Now it's important to not do a whole bunch of other things and scurry around, which is what the whole human being doing thing is about. 
But we are meant to do quite a lot from our place of being, not from our masks. And it takes enormous courage to live maskless. And this is one of my favorite quotes. Because this is, it speaks to why I believe shamanism is needed at this time. And if I, I mean shamanism in the sense of human beings working in, in concerted effort with each other and the helping spirits. Okay. Until one is committed, there is hesitancy. The chance to draw back, always ineffectiveness. Concerning all acts of initiative and creation. There is one elementary truth that ignorance of which kills countless ideas and splendid plans. That the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves to. All sorts of things occur to help one that would never otherwise have occurred. A whole stream of events issues from the decision. Raising in one's favor all manner of unforeseen incidents and meetings and material assistance, which no man could have dreamed would have come his way, or woman would have come her way. Whatever you can do or dream, you can do. Begin it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. Begin it now. And this is the power of shamanism, is that it gives us the skills to move in concert together as humans, with spirit. And we must remember in that relationship for our time that we are the makers. We are here to make the medicine for our people in this time. And I give great thanks to the ancestral helping spirits in their many forms for being with us here today, for the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. Massive Illusion and the Authentic Self happens next, June 7th through 12th, 2016 on Woodby Island in Washington. It's a beautiful place. There will be beautiful people. It's beautiful work. And the registration is available now on the website at whyshamanismnow.org. No, wait, sorry, lastmasscenter.org. Thank you everyone for listening.